16. The next day, there was a huge headline in the newspaper. A terrible accident at Ocean World Aquarium. Two guards were missing. Also, several fish. The one guard who did remain told a bizarre tale of a half-deer, half-human creature. The aquarium spokesperson sort of implied that the guards must have gotten drunk and shot up the place, causing the tunnel to shatter. It was on the TV news and everything. CNN even sent a camera crew. On Monday, I handed in five pages of pure, total babble as a book report. I wrote it on the bus. On Thursday, I got it back. D-. The teacher wrote, Nice try, Marco. Do it over, and this time, try reading the book. What can I say? Some teachers buy it. Some don't. We had decided we couldn't go back to the Royan Island facility until the weekend. Sneaking out at night was risky. If one of us got caught and grounded, we'd be out of business for a while. I stopped worrying about what the others thought about my running from the sharks. I felt like my actions at the aquarium balanced that out. And I kind of felt like I'd gotten past my fear of sharks. More or less. I mean, it's never a good idea to get casual about sharks. Instead of obsessing over being scared of sharks, I found I was obsessing about the shark DNA inside of me. I wanted to morph that shark. I wanted to be it. I wanted to know what it felt like to be so relentless, so unafraid, so totally without emotion. Twice I dreamed about it. Both times in the dream, I was a shark, only I still had my own face. And both times, someone was doing something terrible. I can't remember what. I just remember thinking, oh man, that's awful. But in my dream, I was a shark. So whatever the terrible thing was, I was safe. I wish I could remember what the terrible thing was. I think maybe it was someone being killed. A woman's voice kept saying, Help me! Help me! I remember that much. But it was confusing because sometimes the voice would start yelling, Help him! Help him! After school Thursday, I hung around for a while. I went to the gym. I went to the pool. To my surprise... It was empty. The swim team was somewhere else, I guess. Maybe off shaving their legs and heads. I don't know. The pool is indoors. It smells of chlorine and mildew. It's one of those places that makes you think about athlete's foot, you know? It's white tile around the sides and dark blue on the bottom. There's a high board and a springboard. There are windows high up on one wall of the room, but mostly the light is fluorescent. There are lights like car high beams in the water itself. But still, it all manages to be gloomy no matter how many lights are on. I knew what I was going to do, and I knew it was stupid. But I knew if I didn't do it here, I'd do it in some even stupider place, like my bathtub at home. I went to my gym locker and changed into my gym shorts. Then I went back and checked the pool once more. No one. No one in the bleachers. No one in the water. Not a ripple. I jumped in, feet first, around the eight-foot marker. I bobbed back up to the surface and said, This is insane, Marco. To which I answered, So I'll be careful. To which I countered, 
You're talking to yourself. Do you know that? Oh, shut up, I said. I began to do what I had been wanting to do since Sunday. I began to focus my mind on the shark. I saw it in my memory. Saw it chasing me down that plastic tunnel. I pictured the moment when I touched the shark's sandpaper skin and brought it under the acquiring spell. And then, slowly, I felt the changes begin. It started with the squishy sound of my own bones dissolving. See, sharks don't have bones, just cartilage. I could hear my bones, the bones in my arms, the bones in my legs, my hip bones, and even my spine. They were all starting to dissolve. I could see down through the water, down to my feet. They shimmered against the deep blue background. They began to elongate. The toes stretched out and out till each toe was a foot long. My calves followed them, stretching like Gumby. It was a total shock when I realized I was touching the bottom of the pool. Something was happening to my back. I felt something growing there, getting larger. It was building itself out of my melting bones. I reached behind me with my still human fingers and touched something triangular. I was growing a dorsal fin. I felt the inside of my mouth itching. Itching amazingly, almost like teething pain. Shark's teeth were filling my mouth. Then... Hey, wuss, get out of the pool. There was a loud splash, then another. I spun around. Two heads coming toward me. Two sets of powerful arms churning the water. Drake and Wu. Two total jerks. Two abject total bullies. They were also great divers for the school team. At least Drake was. Wu was a complete burnout. He had the IQ of cheese. Get out of the pool, punk, Wu said. Don't make us kick your butt, Marco Roni, Drake added. I should have been afraid of them, but I was only afraid they might dive beneath the surface. If they went down there, they'd see I wasn't exactly normal. But from the surface, they'd probably just think my ultra-long legs and toes were a distortion. I started to reverse the morph. I'd been an idiot. I'd left myself open for something like this. Jake would kill me. If he found out. I demorphed as fast as I could. I felt my toes lose contact with the pool bottom. Then, Wu laid back in the water, raised one leg, and kicked me square in the chest with his foot. I didn't see it coming. Couldn't dodge the blow. Oomph! The air burst from my lungs. I clutched at my chest. Told you to step off, Drake said. Now we're going to have to stomp you for not having any respect. Unless you want to get your skinny hinder out of the pool. Drake was giving me a chance to get away. All I had to do was turn around and leave. That was it. Yeah, run home to your mommy, Marcaroni, Wu said. He can't, Drake said, with a touch of normal humanity in his voice. His mom's dead. Oh, boo-hoo, Wu sneered. Oh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo-hoo. He made a little gesture like he was wiping tears out of his eyes. His mom probably just ran off with some dude. All I had to do was walk away. And all I did was stare at Wu's throat. I could see the arteries there. The ones that were pulsating on either side of Wu's Adam's apple. What are you looking at? Wu demanded. You're a dead man, eyeballing me like that. But I noticed that Wu didn't move toward me. I wanted him to move toward me. I wanted him to. What's the matter with his eyes? 
Drake asked. Look at his eyes, man. Marco? It was Jake's voice. I saw the expression on Wu's face change. He was looking past me now. I heard footsteps on the tile. What's up, Marco? Jake asked, trying to sound casual. Ah, isn't it sweet? Drake said. Big Jake is here to rescue little Marco Roney. I swung my head fiercely toward Jake. I grimaced, baring my teeth. I thumped neath your help. The shark's teeth that filled my mouth distorted my speech. I saw Jake's eyes flare in surprise. Then, wary concern. Let it go, Marco, Jake said. I turned back toward Wu. I could still see the pulsing blood just below the skin of Wu's neck. It would be so easy. He dithed my mom, I said. He's not the one responsible for your mother, Jake said. Don't punish him for the sins of someone else. I don't know what the two bullies thought of this exchange. I just know they stayed silent. Wu's eyes kept darting from me to Jake. He was confused and worried. Bullies aren't used to hearing their victims talking and acting like they have all the power. Or maybe he didn't like the way I was just staring at his neck. Save it for the real bad guys, Marco, Jake said. I let the rest of my shark morph go. I felt the itching in my mouth as my normal teeth replaced the killing shark teeth. I climbed out of the pool. What's the matter with you? Jake demanded once we were out of there. I shrugged and forced a smile. Not a thing, Jake. I guess Wu just looked a little like a fish to me. He looked like a fish to you? He does to me. Not even slightly funny, but it was the best I could do. Jake gave me a long look. Maybe you'd better set out this next mission, Marco. I laughed. Jake, you'd have to kill me to keep me away from that island. Chapter 17 Saturday morning, we flew out to the same narrow beach on Royan Island. Now that we knew for sure that the Yerks were there, just under the water, we were very careful. But Jake still had time to pull me aside over by a scraggly twisted tree and ask me if I was alright. Sure, why wouldn't I be alright? Because if you were alright, you'd be busy telling everyone how insane this is and how we're all going to die. You're weirding everyone out, being so tense. I just stared at him. You're telling me it's more relaxing for everyone if I act like we're all going to die? That's what they expect from you, Jake said. Well, I'll try harder to be entertaining, I said sarcastically. Jake rolled his eyes. Then he took a quick, cautious glance around. The others were all down on the sand, trying not to notice that Jake and I were having some big heart-to-heart. Great. Rachel probably thought I was scared, and Jake had to give me a pep talk. I still stung from that crack of hers about my being scared of sharks. Look, Marco, we're going into a possible battle down there, Jake said, jerking his head toward the water. Maybe it's time you told the others what's going on with you. Nothing's going on with me. Marco, your mother is down there. I flinched. I had been trying really hard not to think about that fact. How is he going to help the others if I tell them maybe I have my own problems going on here? Jake looked surprised. Marco, I wasn't thinking about it helping the others. I thought it might help you. I shook my head violently. No, it doesn't help me to have people pitying me, you know? 
I went through like a year of pity after my mom died. After she supposedly died. I don't like pity. Pity makes you feel small and weak. I'd rather have someone hate me than pity me. Jake sighed. No one hates you. But they would pity me. Jake didn't have an answer to that. Hey, are we doing this? Rachel called over to us. Or are you two going to stand there all day yapping? We are doing this, I said forcefully. But I tell you right now, this whole thing is insane. Insane! Morphing sharks to infiltrate some underwater yurt complex? What has happened to our lives? As Jake and I walked back down to the others, I muttered, Happy now? Okay, Jake said to everyone. Ready? I've been ready, Rachel grumbled. Everyone, remember, this is a new morph, Cassie pointed out. New instincts to deal with. Be prepared. See, when you first morph an animal, that animal's consciousness can run right over your human mind. It can seize control. And you can't always tell which morphs will be bad. Probably the worst ever were ants. We waded into the water, all except Tobias, who once again rode on Rachel's shoulder. Four humans, a bird, and an andalite. We're a scruffy, weird-looking bunch, aren't we? I said. And short, Rachel said with a sweetly poisoned smile. Or at least some of us are. We'll all have the same size dorsal fin in a few minutes, mighty Xena, I said to her. Rachel laughed. She pretends to hate it when I call her Xena, warrior princess. But I know she's flattered by it. Hey, Tobias, I said. You realize there are no mice underwater, right? See, I was doing my job. Playing my part within the group. Teasing. Joking. Exaggerating. That was my role. Like Jake had pointed out, a Marco not making jokes just worries people. I waded into the surf. It was rougher than it had been the week before. Two and three foot waves were crashing and boiling around me. The sky was darker. Grayer. I tried to put all my problems out of my mind. I tried to wash away the image of my mother. I remembered her two different ways. As the mom I'd always known, and now, as Visser One, the controller who had arranged to let us escape from captivity in the Yurk pool ship just to embarrass her nemesis, Visser Three. I tried to shove both images aside. But as I felt the morph begin, I thought, I'm coming to save you, Mom. And I also thought, I'm coming to destroy you, Visser One. The morph began differently than it had during my partial morph in the pool. This time, it was my skin that changed first. Dolphins have skin like gray rubber or latex. Sharks have skin like fine-grained sandpaper. Shark skin can leave human skin bloody just by rubbing against it. It's actually made up of millions of denticles. Those are tiny, mutated teeth. Sharks are coated with tiny teeth. As I watched, my tan arms turned gray. My legs turned gray. My chest and shoulders, all gray. My feet were twisting together weirdly, as if they were a pair of straws I was braiding. When a wave rolled into me, I lost balance and went backwards into the water. My hand scraped along the bottom. When I looked at it, I realized I'd cut myself on a shell. A few drops of my own blood dribbled into the salt water. But I had other things to worry about. Besides, when I demorphed, the cut would be gone. When I tried to stand back up, I realized my legs were gone. I had a tail now, made of gracefully swooping triangles. 
Everything on a shark is triangles. Two elongated joint triangles make the tail. Triangles form the dorsal fins. And hard, white, serrated triangles fill the mouth with the weapons of destruction. I use my arms to windmill the water and keep my head up. In flashes between waves, I saw the others. A hideous Rachel with a shark mouth and blonde hair. An awesome axe with andalite stock eyes rising from the bulging hammer's head. Tobias with feathers melting into gray sandpaper. Not even Cassie could make this morph pretty. I felt the teeth growing, replacing my own pathetic human teeth. And at the same time, my eyes were moving. They were rotating out to the sides of my head. I lost the ability to focus and kept trying to aim my eyes to see in three dimensions like I can normally. But my eyes were moving too fast, too far. All I could see was a blur of water and eerie faces. The hammerhead didn't grow out of the side of my head. It grew out the front. Like pillars of flesh were growing beneath my eyeballs, then taking those eyes out to the side. My arm shriveled and became sharp fins. I was entirely underwater now. Just in time, my lungs collapsed into nothing, and slits like open wounds formed where my neck had been. I had gills, and shark's teeth, and I had shark's eyes. But I still had not felt the shark's mind. Not until I was completely in the water and began to move. Only then did I feel the shark's mind, its instincts, come bubbling up through my own human awareness. It was the movement that set it off. See, sharks cannot be still. If a shark stops moving, he dies. A shark is movement. Restless, relentless, eternal movement. I felt my fear leave me. I felt my anger leave me as well. My every emotion and feeling simply lifted away. And I was glad. Because now I was clear. Now I saw the world with perfect simplicity. Perfect understanding. The world, you see, is nothing but prey. And I was nothing but hunger. There was nothing else. No mother or father. No fear. No joy. No worry. Hunger. Prey. Hunger. Prey. I turned away from the shore and swam out to sea. And then, I stopped. The last vestiges of my human mind were swept aside. The shark sensed blood. Chapter 18 Sharks had been swimming Earth's oceans for hundreds of millions of years already when the ancestors of Homo sapiens were still trying to figure out how to peel a banana. People will tell you, Oh, you don't need to be afraid of sharks. They have more reason to fear humans than humans have to fear sharks. True. Humans kill far more sharks than sharks kill humans. Will that fact make you feel any better if a shark chomps you in two at the waist? Probably not. Sharks are killing machines. Mostly, they kill fish. In some parts of the world, they kill seals. They kill dolphins. They kill whales when they can manage it. And they kill humans. At least, some species do. The great white, the tiger shark, and the hammerhead. This was the killing machine I had become. Utterly without fear. Utterly without emotion. A mind with no room for anything else but killing. There was nothing playful, like you'd find with a lion. Nothing in the shark that cared about family or children. No sense of belonging. Just a solitary creature of sharp-cutting triangles. A restless, ever-moving thing, ever-questing after blood. A mind as cold, as sharp, 
as deadly as a polished steel knife blade. That was the mind that gathered my confused human consciousness up and swept it along in the endless search for something to kill and eat. The shark turned toward the scent of blood. My long tail pushed lazily at the water. My hammer had worked like a diving plane to let me turn this way and that. My vision was surprisingly good. Almost as good as human vision. I could hear. And I could feel other senses that were unlike anything human. When fish passed close by, I felt a tingling from their electrical current. And at some deep, hard-to-grasp level, I realized I could sense the very magnetic field of planet Earth. I knew north and south without knowing the words. But mostly, I could smell. I could smell the water as I sucked it in, relentlessly sampling. And right now, I could smell blood. I was aware of the others nearby. I knew they were sharks like me. But I didn't care. I was on the trail of blood. I followed the scent of the blood. No more than a few drops of blood. A thin, wispy trail diluted in billions of gallons of surging seawater. But I smelled it. I followed the scent through the water. If the scent was stronger in my left nostril, I veered left. If it was stronger on my right, I veered right. It would lead me to prey. It would lead me to food. The blood trail had come from very close by. I could sense it. And a cold excitement seized me. Blood. A wounded animal. Prey. But as I turned, and turned again, circling back toward more shallow water, I became frustrated. Where was it? Where was the bleeding creature? Where was my prey? The other circled nearby. One of them brushed against me, sandpaper on sandpaper. They were seeking it too. The bleeding prey whose scent filled our heads. Where was it? The shark brain was confused, uncertain. And in that moment of confusion and uncertainty, the steel mind of the shark left a slight crack. Enough of a crack. Enough for my human brain to call up the picture of a human hand, bleeding from a small cut. My hand. My hand. The human named Marco. Oh my god! I yelled in thought speak. It was me! It's my blood! That's my own blood! The others didn't care. They continued to turn in ever tighter circles, looking, searching, marauding for the source of the blood. Jake! Jake! Shake it off, man! The shark has you! Jake! Come on, man! Get on top of it! Cassie! Rachel! Axe! Tobias! All of you! It's the shark instincts! Fight them! That was my blood! It took a few minutes before we were all back to being ourselves. Tobias dealt with it easiest. I guess that's not a surprise. He's a predator, normally. Maybe the shark mind and the hawk mind aren't so different. Axe handled it well, too. Not that Andalites are shark-like. It was mostly that he'd morphed a shark already. Yikes! Cassie said, laughing nervously. Kind of single-minded, aren't they? No one else bleed, Rachel said. I'll be hungry for hours. We were a little shaken up. We'd gotten cocky about being able to control animal morphs. But the shark was different. I think at some level, at the most basic survival level, that primitive shark brain was actually superior to our own human brain. It knew what it wanted. And there is a terrible strength in knowing what you want and having no doubts. We swam around the island, back toward the holographically concealed underwater facility. 
This time, we expected to be able to pass right by the super sharks, who had almost taken us out when we'd been in Dolphin Morph. We swam right through what looked exactly like seabed, right up to the facility. With dead shark eyes, I stared through the portholes. The one that opened into a busy cubicle area. And the other one. The one that looked into a more private room. The guard shark swam right past and around us, never paying the slightest attention. That was easy, Rachel said. Let's go ahead and do this. Don't forget, the Lyrans are psychic at close range, Axe warned. Whatever we do, we have to stay clear of them. This was the point where I normally make a joke. But just then, I saw a woman entering the private office. She was distorted by the convex glass, by the water, and by my own water-oriented shark's eyes. But I knew her, and I forgot to find something funny to say. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. So, right off the top, I just want to say, uh, sorry if... My voice sounds a little scratchy here or in the recording. I, I tried my best to, you know, drink some water, keep it lubricated, but I'm still getting over that cough. And Marco's voice is very nasally, um, and so it's not a great combination for my voice. But uh, I'm going to keep going at it until it's, you know, at a level where I'm not happy. Um, but, you know, just up at the top, I'm aware of the issue if, if you heard it. Um, also at the top, I want to... Talk about uh, the ongoing protests, because they're still happening, um, in the name of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and the many other black people in America that have been unjustly killed by the police. So the Minnesota Freedom Fund at this point has received an overwhelming amount of donations and uh, has asked to move your money to other places, which I think is great and amazing that some people have given to that cause. And I just want to encourage you to continue to uh, donate if you are able. Uh, I will be putting another link in in the podcast description uh, to another website that has a list for bail funds for all 50 states. Um, you can really kind of burrow down to your own city and find out what resources are are in the area that you can support. Um if you're going to go to a protest, I really ask that you, you know, take care of yourself, take care of others. Um, go with a friend. Don't go alone. Um, write your lawyer's number or a contact on your arm. I, I don't know if I said this last week, but, you know, these are all very good tips for going to a protest. Um, protect yourself because uh, these cops, endless videos of them provoking fights with protesters. So please be safe. Um, don't escalate if you can help it. And... Um, you know, this is this is a truly unbelievable time we're living in right now, and uh, I I am both scared, but also very full of love to see people all over the country and all over the world uh, standing standing together in solidarity. That's that's something that's really beautiful. Um. So yeah, uh, support support all the protesters out there, and and I will continue to be giving in any way that I can. Uh, in in lighter news, I also have a a new review 
from Empathic Twitch on Apple Podcasts. If you use Apple Podcasts and you want to leave me a rating review, I sure would appreciate that. I love to get those. Uh, this one's titled, This is Amazing. After over two decades, Animorphs is still my favorite series of all times, and to relive it in this, ama- in this way is amazing. I have the entire first-run publications of this series, but do not have the time to reread it. Being able to go through these books again while working is awesome. Not only do we get a near-professional-quality audiobook, but the sound effects add in an extra dimension of greatness. And if all this was not enough, I would give stars to this podcast for, on- for only one other reason. The host's valiant grasp of the taxon language is better than I have ever heard in my head when I have to read these books. I hope, and would financially back, this podcast uh, if, it conti- if it continues on until the last book. If the host ever invites guests on this to discuss the books, I hope that I get the chance to try out for a guest spot. Uh, thank you so much for the review, Empathic Twitch. Uh, thank you so much for liking my taxon voice. Uh, I've never been fully happy with it, but, you know, I just kind of rip it and grip it and go for it, and I'm, I'm glad that it, it works for you. <laughs> uh, that, that makes me happy, and um, thank you for the offer to financially back. At this time, um, I really encourage if you have, uh, this goes to anybody, if, if you have money to give, give it to these protests and to these bail funds and to these mutual aid networks, because uh, that's so much more important than this goofy little podcast. And I've been very blessed to uh, still have my job through the COVID pandemic. So I am, I have a steady paycheck and I can afford my server costs. That's, uh, we're, we're in no danger of shutting down. This is going to keep on trucking to the end if I have anything to say about it. Uh, I have never thought about doing a discussion episode, but if I ever do, Empathic Twitch, please feel free to reach out. Um, uh, we'll talk about it. I'd love to have you on. Uh, if you want to reach out, uh, for that or any other reason, you can reach me at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Okay, that is uh, all I have for you this week. Stay safe out there, um, and I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>